WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. For the third straight week, we are talking transit because this plan is a big one and it has the potential to affect just about everybody in our region. The transformational mobility network includes 110 miles of rapid transit corridors like the light rail, 140 miles of busing, 115 miles of greenways, 75 miles of a bicycle network, and a lot more. Now, two weeks ago, we heard from Mayor Pro Tem Julie Eisel giving her full support for the plan. Last week, we heard from Republican consultant Larry Shaheen, who thinks more needs to be done to engage other towns around Charlotte and leaders up in Raleigh. Today, we're hearing from the woman who is really in charge of making it all come together. Joining us today on Flashpoint, Kelly O'Brien. Kelly is the Chief Advocacy and Strategy Officer for the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance. Kelly, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. We appreciate it. Thank you, Ben, for having me. I am a loyal viewer. I tape your show and I never miss an episode. So it is really an honor and a privilege to be here today. We, we, we like to hear that. We like to hear that. All right. First of all, explain to us. We know this is a big, big uh, uh, plan and proposal. The, this transformation, uh, transformational mobility network. Explain to us wh what is the alliance's role in this? There's a lot of stakeholders in this thing. Uh, what is your all's role in this? Well, you know, thank you for acknowledging that this is a really big effort. In fact, I mean, it has the potential to be the largest economic development initiative in the history of the state of North Carolina. And it has the potential to really transform our region and have positive impacts in all corners of Mecklenburg County. So it is it's big, there's a lot of people involved, and the Alliance has the unique role of being the voice of business. So we're really um, passionate about uh, making sure that the region is competitive and that we have the opportunity to attract businesses and to retain businesses. So for us, so much of it is really about competitiveness. And are you sort of in charge or tell me who is in charge of sort of coordinating between the, the different uh, governments? Is that is that the city of Charlotte? Is, is that who's in charge of that? Because we, we know, as I said, there's a lot of stakeholders. There's the business community, but there's, there's also the, the cities and towns outside of Charlotte. There's the other counties. There's the folks up in Raleigh who have to sign off on any referendum that goes on the ballot. Uh, who's coordinating all of that? Sure. So, well, you know, so the Alliance is playing a, a really important role working with the cities, um, with the towns. We will be, you know, working in Raleigh, but we really started um, our efforts earlier this year um, by securing thought leadership from our hometown, uh, UNC Charlotte Urban Institute and NC State's uh, I, it's ITRI, it's the Institute for Transportation Research and Education. And what we did is we engaged them to do an economic impact study, an EIS. And the EIS, we conducted dozens of folk, folk, uh, focus groups with more than a hundred, north of a hundred stakeholders from Mecklenburg, from elected officials, business leaders, members of chambers of commerce, and the counties that touch Mecklenburg County. So it was really an opportunity to hear um, from 
or, you know, from decision makers, what should the transformational mobility network be? What is it going to take for Mecklenburg County to be um, cutting edge as it relates to infrastructure? And we really also want to acknowledge the leadership of Mayor Lyles and, you know, her commitment to making sure that, you know, Charlotte continues to, to grow and absorb the growth that is happening. And so it's really a collective effort to, to answer your question. And yes, the, the Alliance right now is, is positioned to be the quarterback to help remind the decision makers and help the voters understand why this is really critical and benefits everybody. And you know, Ben, as again, a, a uh, loyal, viewer, I know that your audience is informed and I am again really thankful that you're giving us the opportunity to help people understand why this is so important. Well, it is important. I think anybody, you talk to anybody, that, that regardless of their political affiliation or background, they can tell you that, that transit in Charlotte next to maybe affordable housing is the most pressing issue that we, we face and that we talk about every single week here on Flashpoint. Um, how do you get buy-in from some of these surrounding counties um, who, who might not be as um, leveraged as Charlotte is and, and, and might not have as much to gain from um, a silver line or a red line or, or any of these other uh, major transits? Well, you know, Ben, there is a, um, our Council of Government, Centralina, um, recently made a presentation uh, to the city council and they got an adoption of their plan from their board for what's called Connect Beyond. And in your mind's eye, if you think about the region, the uh, Centralina footprint is 12 counties, two states. Our footprint with the Alliance is 15 counties and the two states. But Connect Beyond is a regional transportation transit plan, comprehensive. The Transformational Mobility Network, TMN, focuses on Mecklenburg. So we're one piece in that larger puzzle, but it's really the spine of the whole plan. And the plan is broad in that it touches so many different elements of transit and transportation. So there is definitely something for everyone, but the collective, again, really helps to absorb the growth that's happening and make this region competitive. It is absolutely critical that we continue to keep our eye on the ball and make these investments now. I know it came up in the last couple of weeks, the proposal of a, a one cent sales tax um, here in Charlotte to, to help pay for this. Um, and, and I know that in order for city council to put that on the ballot, which they would have to do, they'd have to get permission from state lawmakers. Uh, one critique that some people have had, including Tark Bakari city councilman, Larry Shaheen, who we had on the show last week, who's a city, uh, who's a, a, a Republican consultant, is that state lawmakers are, are not being brought in this process enough. T take a listen to a quick soundbite from Larry from last weekend here on Flashpoint. With respect to the city, I can understand how a lot of folks in the city think that they need to drive the bus, but we are a Dillon rule state and the legislature is going to have to say. So we have to make sure to have buy-in from them from the beginning, not at the end, because just putting them in a box and asking them to check yes or no is not how we're gonna get this done. And I can guarantee you, it's the way for this process to fail. And let me show a, a tweet from Tark Bakari, city councilman, who, who he and Larry went up to, to Raleigh and he tweeted, what we accomplished in Raleigh in over 24 hours could and should have happened over the last 24 months.
The North Carolina General Assembly doesn't want to see a polished plan. They want to be partners in crafting it. Let me get your response. Sure. Well, you know, first of all, we are really excited to have support from both sides of the aisle. I mean, the fact that there is agreement in such a you know divisive political environment that there needs to be the investment in infrastructure, transportation and transit in order to keep our region competitive. So we really appreciate um, what Larry and Councilman Bakari are saying, but I think that they also know that we with this economic impact study as an example, you know, have had the input from legislators, from executive uh, elected officials, from community leaders and from businesses. So we have known from day one that this is not a city centric plan, that the towns of Mecklenburg, it's a county plan. So we're, we're really all on the same page and we're excited to have input and involvement from a number of partners. Speaking of being on the same page, one thing that they've also made the point of is that they feel like the red line, uh, the commuter rail going north has to be the number one priority, not the silver line or anything like that when it comes to rail. What is your response to that? Well, there has to be a mobility solution for the North. And, and again, that has been uh, what a top kind of a, a guiding North star from the beginning. Is it the priority? It is absolutely a priority. Okay, and, and what's the timeline for this as far as um, we put this on the ballot for next year, the sales tax then goes into effect um, the following year after that. Um, what's the timeline? Because we're, we're talking about perhaps, what, 10 years out before we see any changes in, in at least the rail lines? Well, you know, I would say that even the premise of your question speaks to the urgency of why it's important to advance this. Um, yes, I mean, this does not have, rail lines do not happen overnight. However, there are elements of the plan that can be realized, you know, pretty quickly. But we have to make sure we do it right. And that's what's most important. And that's why all of the conversations, you know, that happen with the economic impact study with the focus groups, the conversations that have happened as we are socializing the results of the economic impact study, as we visit and talk to economic development professionals and uh, chambers of commerce. Again, we keep going back to it is critical for our region to stay competitive. The, the cat is out of the bag. This is a great place to live. I mean, we're, what, three, four hours from the ocean, a couple hours from the mountains. We have this international airport. This is, it's the it place. And we have to make sure that we do this right that we find the solutions that are needed for the entire county and that we create this spine that is part of the bigger picture that the Connect Beyond proposal um, encompasses. Well, listen, I don't think anybody can disagree that Charlotte certainly seems like it's the place to be. <laughs> and you can see that <laughs> just in the, the number of people moving here on, on a daily and weekly basis. All right, Kelly O'Brien with the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. We do appreciate it. Well, you know, Ben, it has really been a privilege and, you know, I am so thrilled that the Alliance is committed to working with all parties in the region and leaders in Raleigh to make this a reality. And I really encourage your audience, the economic impact study that I reference is on our website and I look forward to um, coming back and, and continuing to discuss how we make this happen. Absolutely. You can come back. All right, Kelly, thank you so much. We appreciate it.
Thank you, Ben. Have a great day. All right, more Flashpoint after this. We're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint. This week, Charlotte City Council voting on their new maps for local districts, but residents in the Hidden Valley neighborhood of Northeast Charlotte are not happy about it. They claim the new map is racially divisive and an attempt at gerrymandering. WCNC Charlotte's Brianna Harper shares their message. Members of Charlotte City Council say relocating 30,000 residents to different voting districts is no easy task, but those who are actually affected by the change say they still want to have their vote and their voices properly recognized. They're loud and they're proud. And these post-it notes are just part of their message. Residents of Hidden Valley dressed in unusual attire for a council meeting, but for a purpose. We are in smogs today because our politicians are contaminated with corruption, and we are going in here to make a statement tonight. Speaking out against what they call poor redistricting plans, where three of the four options considered would reassign those who live in Hidden Valley, a predominantly African-American community, from District 4 to District 1. We don't match the community that we're being forced into. They call the redistricting change gerrymandering and racially divisive. Tonight we say no more. No more. But the majority of city council see things much differently. The recommended plan also increases the black vote by 7% and the Democratic vote by 5% in District 1. This plan could actually strengthen our influence on the dais and in the city as black voters. But out of 10 yes votes from council, there was a single no. The committee, staff, consultants have all agreed they did not consider issues of equity in our approach. That is regrettable. Yet still not enough to stop the redistricting approval. Now Hidden Valley neighbors say they plan to take their voice to the ballot. Election time? That's right. We're organizing. That's right. And you have We're got to get out of the way. That's right. That's See right. you at the polls. And in the courtroom, too. And that lawsuit has already been officially filed in federal court, but no word yet on when it might move forward to be heard before a judge. Reporting from the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Government Center, Brianna Harper, WCNC, Charlotte. So you heard from the folks there in Hidden Valley. Coming up. We're going to talk with a man who's running for city council and was outspoken about redistricting before that new map was approved. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Joining us now, Kendrick Cunningham. He's running for city council. He's also president of Mech Young Dems. Kendrick, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, man. Hey, listen, we'll get to the to the issues um, of the day here in just a second, including transit and redistricting and things like that. But I'm always interested. City Council here in Charlotte, I mean, it's a part time job. It, it doesn't pay all that much. It's a lot of work, a lot of reading. Uh, and I'm always interested why somebody wants to do this. Why? Why do you want to do this? Yeah. So um, initially, when I when I was um, thinking about things to do at the beginning of this beginning of this year, I wanted to be a, a, a um, political aide in Washington, D.C. Um, with the Biden-Harris administration. 
but some of uh, my constituents came to me and they uh, like they talked to me about how elections were coming up and that they were very uh, much dissatisfied with um, how city council uh, was making decisions and the things that uh, city councilors were doing. So they asked me if I would run for office and I, I accepted. Uh, let me talk about transit, first of all, because earlier in the show we, we, we talked about it uh, and we've talked about it now for several weeks in a row because it's, it's such a, a pressing issue here in Charlotte. Um, and, and I know you have said that you don't feel like the plan that's being talked about is really beneficial to, to a lot of folks, including folks in, in your district. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, like where city council is going now with the strategic mobility plan, I think it's a it's a great um, way to start um, when we're talking about how to expand public transportation options uh, through our city. I think uh, with, it's especially with now I'm being redistricted into district two. I'm running in district two. Um, the way that uh, transportation has rendered district two and connecting Johnson C. Smith to HBCU, I mean connecting public transportation to HBCU, I think that's extremely beneficial. Um, I don't think um, the way that our bus system works, a lot of people, a lot of people in working family communities in our city have to cross main intersections. And that's a very dangerous thing um, for us when we're having to catch the, the city bus. And the city bus is used to run through our communities. And a lot of our residents would like that to return uh, when we're talking about how do we um, change, how do we update or change transportation in our city. So, so you would like to see, and I should say the current plan talks about um, enhancing the bus service substantially in the next few years uh, before we ever get to the, to the uh, rail lines. And, and you are supportive of that because you, like a lot of people, say all this talk about rail lines, the bus system really is what's most important. Um, I think it's, it's equal bus and rail. Um, what we're looking at, I think one of, the, one of the things I'm excited about is our um, our public transport fleet, our public transport fleet with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, um, hopefully becoming fully um, zero emission um, electric vehicles and maybe one day autonomous vehicles. Um, when we're looking at our rail options, that's a more um, dependable form of transportation uh, for residents. Um, when rail is like on an autonomous um, set schedule, and you know for a fact that uh, that when you get on the light rail or you get on the streetcar that you're going to get to your destination a certain amount of time where compared to buses that are a little bit more manually operated may come with um, a, a couple of time stipulations and you're not able to manage your schedule. So I think both um, bus and rail is as equally important when we're talking about expanding transportation in our city. I noticed in your Twitter feed you've spoken quite a bit about the infrastructure bill and the fact that it's passed now. Uh, do, do you think that is a cru crucial piece in all this talk about um, transit, we, we know federal matching um, grants is, is a big part of it and has been in our, in our transit in the past as well. Do you think the fact that this is now passed, that now puts us on path to, to a more likely outcome here? I think that some of, a lot of our projects that we're looking at getting funded, um, that federal funds from the bipartisan infrastructure deal um, will hopefully help to, to go to fund those projects, um, which a lot of we're still waiting on the Charlotte City Hall to um, determine which exact projects are going to get funded. But once that all that information is synthesized, I'm ex I'll be excited to know um, how exactly does the bipartisan infrastructure deal funds um, directly go to impact our city's transportation and infrastructure. Let's talk redistricting uh, specifically. I know you have had some concerns about precinct 23, 24, 81. Those are the northwestern uh, part of the district. All got moved from district three to two. Um, what, what are your frustrations there? 
one of my main frustrations um, with redistricting is the first being the the first thing is that a lot of our working families, a working family community's political power uh, was either split, diluted, or diluted in order to achieve status quo. Um, I think when we're looking at how Charlotte has progressed, uh, that it's it's inevitable um, how like you know political power in our city is is being redistributed, um, and you know um, I I think that when we're looking at especially when you're looking at districts two and four, um, especially precinct one hundred seven, I think precinct one hundred seven should have been more aligned to district four. Um, than it is to District 2 because people who live in Precinct 107 virtually wouldn't um, be able to understand a lot of the residential issues that people on the western side of the I-77 border um, would relate to. Another frustration I have with redistricting is that it just simply wasn't imaginative. Um, when we're looking at how political power has been distributed around Charlotte and how people have been disenfranchised, this was the perfect opportunity for us to really sit down and talk about how do we create a representative government. And I, I, I agree with both Councilman um, Braxton Winston and Tart Picard that we need more, more um, actual districts and not um, at-large districts, what do you 11, say, 11 quickly, council districts let me, at-large. Let me get in real quick. What do you say to the folks of Hidden Valley, the neighborhood there, that, that are, are now um, not happy and filed lawsuits about being part of now District 1 here in the city? Yes. Um, I think the first thing is it's unfortunate that um, when redistricted is being touted as a people guided process, that when people who had genuine concerns about their about redistricting and how their um, voting power is going to be situated and from 2021 to 2030, um, I think it was like a slap in the face to them. I think that granted that if Hidden Valley is well. Hidden Valley being moved into District One does increase the black vote. I don't think the argument was never about black versus white voters. It was more about working family people having representation, and that the person who's going to represent Hidden Valley is going to represent Hidden Valley to the to the to the fullest extent possible. Uh, and so it's just unfortunate that um, Malcolm Graham wouldn't listen to the concerns of Hidden Valley residents. Kendrick Cunningham, running for city council here in Charlotte, also head of Young Dems here in Mecklenburg County. Kendrick, thank you, sir. Appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Before we leave you, hey, folks, come interact with us over on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Some of our best ideas, our very best ideas come from you guys. So let us know what you think and what we should be doing different. And, of course, you can always find uh, our podcast as well as Flashpoint wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.